0: Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist, and on today's episode, we are interviewing Safa Arias.
2: welcome to the show. Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here.
0: I am very excited for you to be here. Uh, Safa and I connected last week and I think it's been a long time coming. I think we've had common clients for years and have run around in circles in Houston and never really connected.
2: <laughs> I know it's funny it happens, but it's, it's an interesting thing because we've always been sort of in each other's lives. <laughs> so it's, it's a Thing.
0: <laughs> it is, it is. So tell us a little about yourself. Tell us, you are into nutrition, and I would call you sort of an intuitive nutritionist, but you describe what you do. Tell, tell our listeners what you do, um, what you're passionate about.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I would say that you're actually pretty spot on. Um I'm a little bit of an amalgam of things. So I'm a holistic nutrition, um, health and wellness practitioner, as well as a yoga teacher. So it's kinda like I like to wear different hats. <laughs> but uh basically my main focus has always been um around helping women to transform their relationships to self and food. Um and I work a lot off of uh Mindness and awareness and just really intuitive-based practices, not just with food, but just in terms of how we relate to ourselves and the world around us, basically. I love that because I, I think it's a
0: really big piece of what's missing in terms of diet and health, especially for Americans, is working on this relationship with food. So you are speaking language that I definitely use. If I did another sort of thing, if I put another hat on, it would be in the nutrition realm because I think it's so important, especially for highly sensitive people. Do, do you think of yourself as highly sensitive?
2: Absolutely. I am such the empath. It's <laughs> <laughs> a really interesting thing because uh, I think I was always kind of just like that. You know, I was that little girl who like would randomly go up to strangers at like a restaurant and just start talking to them and like having conversations and trying to hug them and telling them not to be sad. I don't know. It's one of those things.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's adorable. So have you always known you're highly sensitive? Because I so many of our listeners are just finding our show and realizing what high sensitivity is and then those of us that are empaths are having this wow, so I'm kind of like a highly sensitive person, like 2.0 version with this empathy going (laughs) on. What has your path been to figure this out?
2: Um, I think it's been kind of like a circuit issue. Basically, yes, I've always known that I care a lot more about other people, and that, for some reason, people feel very comfortable coming up and talking to me, and all of a sudden, we'll just be having these really intimate conversations where like I might have just met someone five seconds ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so I've always kind of known that that's there, but I didn't really have a name for it until. I want to say it was about maybe eight or nine years ago, and I finished um, a conference. Uh, I think it was in Nashville, it was something to do with a yoga practice that I was taking like a couple of courses over there Um, and someone came up to me and just again, having this like really deep conversation where we had just met like five minutes into the thing Um, and she started telling me, oh my God, you were such an empath, this is probably what you see, this is how people respond to you and I was like, oh my gosh, I've never heard this term before, but it makes perfect sense because all I want to do It's care for other people. I love these
0: stories because I think highly sensitive people are almost having their own little coming out of realizing, ah, this this is what I am. And then I'm an empath. It's so relieving to be able to put a name to this. So how did you originally get into nutrition? Because I obviously went mental health and you went nutrition as your sort of highly sensitive, intuitive path to work with people. How did you get there?
2: Exactly. And it was kind of almost by accident, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. It's a funny thing how um, the universe or life presents situations into your day-to-day, right? Yes. Uh, growing up, I had sort of developed this this really crazy story about myself that I was mm-hmm. not good enough and I was not worthy. Um, and a lot of those patterns surrounded my weight. So to me, like if I was above a certain weight or if I wasn't going to be wearing like a certain, you know, size clothing, that immediately meant that I was not a good person. Mm. Um, And this is something that actually prevailed, and it it started at a very young age. I want to say that when I first started to really become obsessive about this, I must have been like 13 or 14, so very, very young. Um, And it kind of just prevailed in my life, Um, even once I'd gotten married and once I was like, you know, as an adult, up until the point where I accidentally stepped into a a local yoga studio here, which I still see funny. It's called cherry blossom yoga. Um, So I walked in there entirely by accident, having just seen like a couple of like clothes dangling from like the front view or whatever. Um, and I walked in there, took a couple of classes and I started to notice that the more classes I took, the more I started to really be able to listen to myself and how I was feeling. Yes. And then through that process, the more I was able to look at myself and say, wait a second, you are a hundred percent invaluable and worth so much love and just, just, just Amazing creature. And then that process started to heal a lot of those old stories. And through that one day, I woke up and I realized, wow, you know what, I would love to be able to share this space of healing that I've found with the people around me Started teaching yoga. And then as I started doing that and I started getting deeper into how I was going to nourish my body and what I was putting in there to have enough energy to live a really thriving life, the more I started to notice that it would just make really good sense if I could help other women who, like myself, had struggled with some form of disconnect to their feeding, right, mm-hmm. um, into their bodies, into their selves, to kind of find their way back home. And that's where that kind of... W- me. That's why I ended up going to like a holistic nutrition school and learning all of these things. It was coming from a place of having learned that I have so much to give of myself and having learned that everyone is so uniquely just beautiful and needing to like just kind of reconnect to themselves. So it's kind of a place of I want to be able to help other people heal.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. And I love how you're talking about Yoga, because so many people ask me over the years about, you know, what is this yoga thing? And I don't want my, only my <laughs> voice on the show to be pro yoga because I hear the wildest things. Like a, a big common one I hear is, well, I'm not flexible enough to go to yoga. You know, after I get yeah. flexible, then I'll start going. I'm like, what? This is, <laughs> this is why you go. And I, I think so many of us who feel the seeker spirit in our hearts have the kind of relationship with yoga that you just described, we stumble into it with no intention or no real understanding of how it connects. I think this, this walking head thing that we have going on as Americans, it really connects (laughs) us from this kind of thinking big giant head to the intelligence of our bodies in a way that's really hard to expect before you experience it
2: hmm Yeah, I actually hear that all the time and it always makes me laugh and I get where it's coming mm-hmm. from. Um, the other side of the coin to that is that I think we have this notion of yoga as simply a physical practice, right? Yes. And I know why, because those are the images that are out there. Um, so if we communicate as humans best through stories, right? And, yes. and a lot of that is why we're so visual, um, so when we see this, the information that we're getting is, oh, yoga means I have to be able to touch my toes or put both legs behind my head. yes, <laughs> and uh, Or I have to look, you know, a certain way because usually you'll have a very... And tall, white model yes. doing like crazy yoga poses. So I get where that information is coming from. And uh, and I think that the one thing that I can share with your listeners is that it's really not about that. It's Yoga is meant to be very internal. Yes. Um, in other words, the whole idea is that you're bringing together your mind, body, emotion, your heart, um, your soul, and you're kind of taking a look, a global, non judgmental look at all of them. And you're observing how they respond, and what they feel, and kind of where they, how they display themselves in this world. So it's not so much that you want to touch your toes, is that in the process of touching your toes or learning to touch your toes, if you ever can do it, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that you are observing how your to the breath, to the movement, that you can notice that, oh, wow, my mind is like going a hundred miles an hour. I'm not not giving myself enough space to really listen to how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, none of these things, right? So it's, it's a whole introspective process.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And that the external of, I think, the physical shapes that we get into in yoga, I think that's the first time for me in my practice that I started seeing the patterns in my body. I have been focusing Mm -hmm. so much through my mental health training of the emotional patterns, the thought patterns, but realizing, wow, my body has these patterns. So like noticing that external really informed me about some of my internal patterns. So I think there's this really cool internal external that yoga invites us to shine light
2: on. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of like the only way out is through, right? So yes. you have to be able to and, and and use everything, all aspects of self, in order to really and truly um, to flow through life, you know?
0: Yes, with self-support and self-love mm-hmm. and self-care. Yeah. All right. So let's talk food because we are in the time of year that is, I think, maybe maybe a collective sort of... I don't know, like, like food hell on the one hand, and then kind of like food heaven on the other, right? We're in this holiday spirit of, and so much of that means food. And I've got an, an addiction specialty that I work through and use that lens. And anytime I'm talking to anybody about food, man, I just want to acknowledge how important it is to do what you name to change that relationship, because every other addiction that we have, whether it's, heroin or alcohol or TV or whatever it is, we don't need that like we need food. Like we can eliminate alcohol, we can eliminate heroin, we can eliminate cigarettes and live. We can't do that with food. So above any other relationship that we have with some of these things that can get dysfunctional, repairing our relationship with food is so fundamental to my way of seeing someone's health and wellness absolutely
2: yeah no you, i think you hit the nail in the head it is just one of those things food is like life <laughs> you, <Yes>. know? <laughs> you know and it's because it it it's filled with so much of everything filled with love and relationships and caring and stories and memories and so it's just like it's not just something that you're putting in your body but it mm-hmm. is something that carries like a deeper level of intimacy to yourself and to people around you and to life. So, yeah, it's a very interesting thing because we have this dichotomy, right? Right now we're like bombarded with like sugar cookies and maybe everything is pumpkin spice. Yes. <laughs> everything is delicious and decadent. One of these words that we use to describe the food around the holidays, mm-hmm. um, Plus, you've got these family interactions. You've got holiday parties and you're going you're, you're gonna to go and exchange presents or you're going to go and do your traditional like turkey or legs or whatever it is that you're doing with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of that goes into play. But at the same time, while you're kind of enjoying all of that, side of it you're also having to think or I think that as as women and as a society we've gotten very used to immediately thinking at this time of year oh my god I'm gonna gain so much weight mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna have to lose it all at the beginning of the year like I'm immediately gonna have to go on a diet and I have to like go on a very strict exercise program and all of these things and so what it starts to do is it starts to generate very deep-seated um unease yeah it's a, funky sto- it's a funky story it's it is. It is. It becomes very obsessive and it becomes like very um, damaging to our mm-hmm. psyche. So I think the first thing that's like good for us to acknowledge is that we, this is a time that we share with people and we're doing it because we love them or we're doing it because we're trying to share it in a particular space um, with someone. And so it is love. Food does become love. So number one is don't feel bad about eating during the holidays. It's fine. Even if you do put on a little bit of weight, it's, you will survive it. Yes, <laughs> and and, it <laughs> yes. And
0: I think stressing out about it just adds to the cortisol hormones that makes us grab onto weight more, correct? Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And then you know what will happen is, and this is kind of like the thing, is that what will happen is you'll start obsessing over, oh my God, I had five cookies yesterday and maybe like a whole pie or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll try to restrict. And then you'll be like, okay, well, today I'm just doing juice. And then tomorrow I'm like not going to eat carbs. And then what starts to happen is the more you start to restrict yourself, the more you start obsessing over the things that you're restricting out of your life. So it's kind of like that whole... If someone tells you don't do something, you're
0: immediately going to want to do it. Yes. Yes. And that works with ourselves telling ourselves no.
1: Would you like to relax or fall asleep while learning about pivotal moments in history? If so, then try my new podcast, Calm History. It's a time machine of tranquility filled with immersive, Just search your podcast player for Calm History or go to calmhistory.com.
2: Exactly, exactly. So you're con, and it's worse actually because we're harsher with ourselves than we are with others. Like you would never speak to the people around you the way that you speak to yourself. Oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Definitely. So,
2: yeah. So it's one of those things where you put ourselves. We put ourselves down. We obsess, and then we and then we start drawing these parameters. Like the ego starts saying, "Well, this is only going to be good if, like, say tomorrow I run—I don't know, five, six miles—and I have to burn off this many calories by doing this exercise or whatever." And so then, a, you're not enjoying what's going on because you're you're obsessing about something else. Um, you're not present, which means it's very possible you will overdo it, mm-hmm. and then. B because you're making it about so much restriction and so much like stress and strain about yourself you're disconnecting further and then you're causing more obsession which is eventually going to lead to you binging that's kind of what happens like you restrict restrict restrict. you avoid carbs let's say for like a month or if you know if you want to go for two three months and then at the end of that period what happens everybody like scarf the carbs down and then it's like all the quote-unquote weights that you lost or all of the quote-unquote progress that you thought you were making all went out the door because you'll it'll come back at you with like a vengeance <laughs> yes yes yes
0: so you so yeah. talk a little bit about how you help people change their story
2: so it's a very interesting thing. I think a lot of times people look to me and they expect the same old um, diet culture talk. So like, I think they'll, they sit across from me and the first thing that they tell me is, by the way, I don't think I could ever give up cheese. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I'm like, okay, you don't have to give up cheese. And when I say that, it's always this look of like, what, what do you mean I don't have to give up cheese and sugars and bread? Of course I do. How else am I going to lose weight? And then I say, well, we're not focusing on you losing weight. Mm-hmm. And then it's like a, it's almost a physical reaction where I could see that they almost want to run out of the room. Yes. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I'm like, listen, this is what we're here to do. We are here to heal your relationship self and to food so that you can have a very thriving, joy-filled, content life. So we start by acknowledging that it's going to be difficult and that things are different. And I always tell my clients, imagine that we are on a trip and I've got the map and you've got absolutely no control over the map. So you kind of have to let it go and let me guide you. And the process starts by bringing us to a place of awareness. So it's a really funny thing because instead of giving you like a day to day, this is what you're going to eat. This is what you're not going to eat. This is what you're going to do, et cetera. kind of, I will start you off with a couple of meditation practices, a couple of like breathing techniques, I'll ask you interesting questions that you may not have asked yourself before. Like, what does it actually feel like when you're hungry? You know, Mm -hmm. like, where do you feel your hunger? Does it make you salivate? Does stomach burn? Does it feel like your throat is hurting? Does your head hurt? You, You know, lose touch or sensation in your fingertips. (laughs) So uh, all of these things kind of start the inner work of paying attention to self again, getting to know self from the beginning. And from there, slowly we move into deeper areas of understanding what it actually means to you. to nourish yourself in a physical, mental, and even emotional way. So we kind of make our way in that direction. It's it's almost a very circuitous path, but in a very loving sort of way.
0: Yes. Isn't it interesting that, because I find it in, in when people reach out to me too, they very much, I call it wanting the mm-hmm. syllabus, like, they very much want the rules, and I think it's such a setup for our subconscious to rebel later. It's like, give me give me these very strict rules and guidelines that I'm mm-hmm. going to eventually get really mad at, feel a big sense of lack, and then I'm going to reject, and I'm just going to jump off the deep end, like, right into a cake, right? <laughs> yeah. So, totally,
1: yeah, totally, yeah, So it, Yeah, and it's
2: the ego's job, right? Because mm-hmm. the ego does this. The ego will tell stories, and it'll try to fit your whole world in neat little boxes that it can kind of organize and label and say, oh, this is what this means. And this is where good is. And this is where bad is. And so it's its, it's, its own way of trying to protect us. But yeah, it definitely makes us um, almost like crazy for the idea of control.
0: Yes. Yes. And so much room when it comes to food, unlike unlike other things, I think, to be able to create those stories. Like in my mm-hmm. in my own story I come from New Orleans. We eat cream sauce, you know, on everything. Everything is rich. <laughs> everything is too much. The second you walk into someone's house, they're putting food in your face. Compounded with that, mm-hmm. I'm Italian. So if for Italians if you reject, if you say no thank you to the food they offer, Man, The look on their face is as if you said, I do not love you and I reject your love. So even even learning how to change your relationship with food around the people that we spend time with is a particular struggle that I don't think the average person who's trying to give attention to their diet pays attention Mm -hmm. to. And I think that's why diets have such a big failure rate, at least in small Uh part.
2: Yeah, I think it's a conglomeration of things for sure. It's important, especially as women, I will say, not that this doesn't happen to men. I know I keep bringing it back to women, but there's a reason for that is I think that the narrative is slightly more extensive with us because there's this idea that we have to be good girls all the time. And so part of being a good girl is not letting people around you down. You Mm -hmm. can't make anybody uncomfortable or sad or angry. um, And you have to, Please everyone all the time. And this includes your actions, your words, and your the way that you look. Yes. And so it is definitely one of those things where diet culture in general will strengthen itself by exploiting the parts of ourselves that we've learned to become very ashamed of and very guilty of. Because yes. if there's one thing in that I have learned to be true is that anything that's going to guilt you or anything that's going to shame you into or out of whatever is basically enslaving you. You're becoming its slave. Yes. And so it's a very powerful awareness to actually acknowledge that when you see that you're being shamed in or out of a particular shape or look or action or behavior, because that's how you can be in your place. Yeah, it, it was a powerful thing for me to discover. And I just had um, just one of those things. For, for sure, we get nervous about everything. Like, it's like, oh, if I say no to, like, your cookie, we'll get upset. Or But the funny thing is there's a balance there, too. It's like you can say yes to pie and have, like, a bite and be Okay. You yes. don't have to finish
0: the whole thing. You yes. Know? <laughs> yes, well, that's one of the messages I had to unravel. Like I very much grew up with the message that to be a good girl, you join the clean plate club. So you must yes. clean your plate. So whatever amount of food someone hands you, you better put all of it in your face or you're a rude, bad girl. Mm-hmm. So having to really look at those messages and really pull them out of my history to be able to repair that relationship. Really, really important to be able to be successful. And that that's part of what I'm I'm so excited to have you on talking about intuitive nutrition, because so Mm -hmm. many people have so many, I think, failures as part of their story when it comes to mind body that I very much hope our listeners can hear that changing these stories paves the way to be able to be successful.
2: Absolutely, hundred percent. And I think that this will tie in really nicely here for us because, again, like I said, it is. It, we're getting closer to the new year, and this is what starts to happen. We will make resolutions, right? Yes. And we don't know what resolutions do? They just die. Give it like, <laughs> give it a day, give it a week, give it a month. Either way, that resolution is going to die. And I think one of the reasons for that is we have somehow. Believed subconsciously that the only way that we can make certain things happen in our life is almost by like sheer like willpower and I don't mean willpower in a good positive way by the way I mean like the only way to make something happen is to like literally like beat it up you know yeah (laughs) yeah try to make it yeah try to make it submissive to you and the thing with that is if we're really taking a look at how the world works, how the universe works, and I'll try to make—I mean, it'll sound very poetic. So, for your listeners, just be warned. I do sound like <laughs> a hippie, but I swear, I am into science. <laughs> it's just because everything in the universe um, that that is created, anything that comes from a creative point of or a creative space, is in fluid motion. What that means is it's not rigid. It is not aggressive. And it isn't needy or demanding. Anything that's going to be truly creative is going to be very feminine in that it's going to be very fluid and easeful and it's going to very organically take place for you so for me one of the biggest pieces right now and this is something that i'm sharing in my latest program is a 21 day program uh that we're going to start in january january 7th um and i'll tell you more about more about it in a second one of the big things in that program is that instead of setting goals we're setting intentions instead of setting like resolutions we're setting intentions the the difference is when you're setting a, a you're sitting down to to create something that's going to be vibrant. So your wording is going to be very different versus where you're going to be setting a goal and saying, okay, by the end of February, I'm going to be losing thirty five pounds and I'm going to go to the gym five times a week and I'm mm-hmm. not going to eat those carbs anymore, ever. Like I'm going to stay away from sugar and I'm doing a juice cleanse and I'm going to really make it work this time. And that's where that kind of starts to happen, where it's like, oh, this time it'll work diet will work. This thing will be different, right? Because we've been trying to beat those things into submission for so long yes. and they just haven't been generating anything. Because when you try to be aggressive with things, I mean, think about it. If you had like a super needy boyfriend or girlfriend, like you'd run away. It's the same thing. Yes. <laughs> You're trying to be needy with these things and, and they're freaking out. They're running away from you. Um, whereas for intentions, your wording would be creative. It would be like, Something to do with, I am going to, let me think, what would be a good intention? Today I promise that I will be in tune with my body, my breath, my heart. I will listen, I will pay attention, and I will create space for myself to heal, and I will create space for myself to really allow myself to nourish myself in a way that's going to allow me. To thrive, yes. something along those lines. It's a lot more both. So for those of us who don't like to like take the time to put pen to paper, it's kind of a pain in the pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, It does land different in your body. So there's a difference. You know, there's a difference between very nearly screaming at yourself to try to make something happen, and very lovingly saying, "You've got room. You've got availability to this." grow and be planted and create something new.
0: Ooh, do you know what I hear? I hear you, you didn't say any of these words, (laughs)
2: but I hear you
0: (laughs) addressing one of my theories. I believe that highly sensitive people in particular are, I'm going to say all, even though all is too much of an absolute, but I'm going to say all of us are operating under this sort of sneaky, belief or the sneaky story that things need to be hard and difficult and that, mm-hmm. and that you're really changing that story. And I think that's part of the resolution thing. Ooh, if I'm going to change my part of resolutions failing is I, I'm going to change my life and it's going to be hard and I'm going to white knuckling it is what I call it. I'm going to like white knuckle yeah. it and just grip through this. And if I'm strong enough and I have enough willpower, only then will I succeed And we just burn ourselves out, kicking our own ass in our heads. Absolutely. That beautiful language of an intention instead of a goal. There's so much more space. Just, oh, I'm Mm -hmm. setting an intention. There's so much more space. And it sounds like a positive reframe than the resolute that's kind of hard and
2: rigid. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's part of it. I think that we also need to remember that we as humans, we re- everything in the universe is made up of light, vibration, and energy, right? Yes. So when we hear things, we respond to them in a particular way. So this is kind of why if you're listening to your radio and, I don't know, evanescence comes on, you want to like cry. It's uh-huh. like, oh, this is so beautiful something, too, right? Yes, you feel um, it. <laughs> you feel it or where like someone uses a particular word that like either makes you cringe or it makes you feel heavy or it makes you feel happy. There's this one exercise I like to do um, in some of my yoga classes, especially when I'm doing work around like um, the sacred feminine and fluidity and creation and stuff. One of the things that I'll, I'll have my students sit and just listen to me say certain words. And so I'll go there out and I'll call out things like mother, you know, daughter, sister. Um, And so what'll start to happen is as I repeat them, people will start to feel, and I can almost see them, feel the words landing in their body a certain way. And they'll evoke a certain feeling or emotion or memory differently each time. And so it's a very interesting thing. If you actually sit there one day and say, just say to yourself, you know, I'm going to set a goal and notice how it feels like, does it make you feel heavier? Does it like make you almost tense up around Mm -hmm. the shoulders, the neck, the jaw? Does it like make your stomach churn or does it get you excited? Does it get you pumped up? But is it an aggressive kind of pumped up? So if you actually sit there And pay attention to the words that you use to get your the action or to talk to yourself. I think that you find there's a lot of room for healing if you just change the words that you're using.
0: Yes, it's so powerful and I love picturing you teaching a yoga class where. Your students are sort of captive to that and they can't run away. Often when I'm trying to get people to be still through the show, I I can almost, I can feel the energy of people going, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And like not really sitting with that. I want to be like, hey, you, hey, you, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Get still, be with yourself, be with yourself right there. I love
2: that you do that in your yoga classes. <laughs> it's definitely an experience. I'm not going to lie. I do I do laugh at myself a little bit because I'm not not like your average yoga teacher in that I don't just like go straight and like, okay, so on salutation A. Like I don't just like jump right in there. I sit there and I have like a Dharma talk with my students. And you're right. Some of their eyes gloss over. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're like, oh my God, when am I going to move? I just want to like get a workout. But then... It's one of those things that, and it's funny. Usually, when I get the most amount of resistance from someone, it's one of those things that'll make them keep coming back and back and back. Yes. Because what it starts to happen is the realization that, like I was saying earlier, yoga is work in more so than like a workout
0: yes yes oh that's such beautiful language ah is there anything else that you want to share with our emotional badass listeners about you a message for the new year some tips for how to take care of themselves around food what would you like to say in closing
2: oh god i'm so verbose okay i'll try to keep
1: it really short <laughs>
2: but yeah there's a couple of things <laughs> first of all um so I'm starting like a 21-day program, January 7th through the 28th, um, that's going to be about healing, right? We're going to be, it's called Intuitively Nourished for the New Year.
0: Oh, lovely. So what
2: we're going to be working with, yeah, we're going to be working on, on, on healing some of these old stories that we have created for ourselves and putting really deep intentions into place that we can use to learn to nourish ourselves and our spirits and about understanding that all foods... Fit, no matter what, which is like one thing that always blows my my clients' minds out. They're like, "Wait, what? All food fit?" And I'm like, "Yes, all of them." They're like, "Even my Twinkie?" I'm like, "Yes, your Twinkie fits too." Yes. <laughs> so if that, yeah, if that is something that, that your lizard nerves are interested in, you can drop by either my website, which is nourishingpath.com or the Instagram. is the easiest way to get there because the linked tree will have the actual name of the of the program and so the Instagram is at nourishing underscore paths and go under there right on the link on the bio get into the link um link tree and what I'm going to be doing too for that just to get people excited in case they're like I don't know her I don't know if we would jive uh I'm doing a free webinar to whoever signs up under that link And then from that webinar, I'm also doing like a raffle. So if you sign up today, you might get a free goodie in a couple of weeks once we actually get going.
0: (laughs) Good, good, good. I'm so glad you named that all foods fit because especially in sort of our yoga communities, there's so much weirdness around food and people being vegan or vegetarian and this and that and labeling. And I think think a lot of that is the rigidity of the stories that we're naming and and really adds to sort of this shame guilt around food um, or being above other people like the how the ego manipulates that and so I'm, I'm really glad to hear you it's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I am also a believer that all foods fit everyone is on a journey to feel what resonates with their own bodies. Um, I can't go vegetarian when I've tried, I am too weak. It doesn't work Mm -hmm. for my system. Um, I don't have enough energy. Um, I don't like how I feel. And so when I, that's part of the journey is trying some of that to see how you feel really as an experiment with the self to be able to explore what will work for you.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that's key too. So that could be like the last thing that I share with your listeners today is that understand we are all unique individuals, each of us. Um, none, no one is going to be the same as you. So what what's going to work for you in a particular way and at a particular point in, in your life is not the same thing that's going to work for someone else where they're at, or even for you a little bit later on. So you have to, like I said, remember that the universe is fluid. So give yourself the chance to change, to transform, give yourself the availability to love yourself enough to understand that maybe right now you can be vegetarian, but, maybe tomorrow you're actually going to need some meat and that's okay. Or maybe today you want the Pop-Tart and you can have the Pop-Tarts without (laughs) gorging on 50 of them. Yes, And then tomorrow you can have a kale salad. (laughs) That's
0: right. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for being on and sharing with our listeners. I think this is going to be a powerful episode as we start 2019 and helping our listeners get their motivation mindset clear around their relationship with food. I think we gave a lot of insight today into what's going on between people and their food. Absolutely. It's my pleasure and I
2: always enjoy sharing with you. Thank you
0: so much. I look forward to connecting with you soon. I will put your contact information for our listeners in the show description on iTunes. So you guys check out Safa Arias if you would like some help healing your relationship with food. I want to thank you listeners for a beautiful, heart-centered, growing 2018. 2019 is going to be a beautiful year. It really is. And I hope you start this new year feeling that and holding on to that and manifesting a beautiful 2019. If you would like to help us meet some of our big goals in 2019, please come find us at patreon.com backslash emotional badass. Come check out those exclusive episodes we've been adding all year for you. Check out the archived live stream Q&A's. Participate in our next live stream Q&A in January. If you'd prefer to give a one-time donation instead of a monthly Patreon subscription, You can do that through our email address, donate at emotionalbadass.com. You can do that through PayPal. Thank you for supporting this kind of broadcasting. It takes a lot to put out this show, and we appreciate your contributions as producers. Every little bit helps when we meet that next goal. I had a lot of fun gifting a few sessions in my last boundaries course, and I thought I would do that again for the Patreon supporters of this show. So one lucky patron will receive a free healing coaching session from me when we hit that next goal. So come find us, come participate with the community that's growing there. Thank you so much. I hope you'll join me in saying goodbye to 2018, taking all of the wisdom of the year forward and letting go and leaving behind anything that we don't want to take forward. And that we say hello to this brand new shiny year of 2019. I'll see y'all next time. Bye-bye.
1: dot com.